0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today, Lord, through the power of your word. Tune our hearts to see your glory. And to live lives worthy of your glory and your praise. Let us be the light of your glory in our community and in our world. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20 we'll be looking at verses 1 through 44 this morning. Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 1 through 44 as we wrap up celebrating the reformation. Celebrating the reformation this past week was Reformation Day, October 31st, and we celebrated 500 years of reformation, 500 years since Martin Luther pinned his 95 theses there on the church door at Wittenberg. And so we've been commemorating that by looking at the five hallmarks of the Reformation. First, we began with sola scriptura, sola scriptura, which is scripture alone as our final authority for life and doctrine. Then we considered sola gratia, sola gratia, which is salvation is by God's grace alone. God's grace alone, and then we talked about sola fide, sola fide, we are justified by faith alone, by faith alone, and last week we looked at solus Christus, solus Christus, which is Christ alone is our only mediator between God and man, Christ alone. And today we wrap it all up with the fifth uh, hallmark of the Reformation, the fifth sola. Sola Deo Gloria. Sola Deo Gloria. Salvation and all of life, everything else, is to the glory of God alone. Salvation and, in fact, all of life is for the glory of God alone. And so that's what we are looking at here today today. Uh, We are looking at Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 1 through 44, a long passage, but we need to read it to get the whole thing in. So stand with me, if you will, in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. In the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, thus says the Lord God, is it to inquire of me that you come as I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Let them know the abominations of their fathers and say to them, thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, "'Cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, but they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt.' Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live, and my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name." that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight i brought them out moreover i swore to them in the wilderness that they would not bring them that i would not bring them into the land that i had given them a land flowing with milk and honey the land most glorious of all lands because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my sabbaths for their heart Went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them, and I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. And I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules and keep my Sabbaths holy that they may be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God but the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to obey my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. They profane my Sabbaths. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the wilderness. But I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries, because they had not obeyed my rules but had rejected my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, and their eyes were set on their fathers' idols. Moreover, I gave them statutes that were not good and rules by which they could not have, live, have life, and i defiled them through their very gifts and their offering at, and their offering up of their firstborn that i might devastate them i did it that they may might know that i am the lord therefore son of man speak to the house of israel and say to them thus says the lord god And this also your fathers blasphemed me by dealing treacherously with me. For when I had brought them into the land that I swore to them to give them, then wherever they saw a high hill or a leafy tree, there they offered "...their sacrifices, and there they presented the provocations of their offering. There they sent up their pleasing aromas, and there they poured out their drink offerings. I said to them, what is the high place to which you go? So its name is called Bama to this day. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God." Will you defile yourselves after the manner of your fathers and go whoring after their detestable things? When you present your gifts and offering up your children in fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols to this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, declares the Lord, I will not be inquired of by you. What is in your mind shall never happen. The thought, let us be like the nations, like the tribes of the countries, and worship wood and stone. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with, the, with wrath poured out, I will be king over you. I will bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries where you were scattered. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out, I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples. And there I will enter into judgment with you face to face. As I entered into judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so I will enter into judgment with you, declares the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge out the rebels from among you, and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am Lord." As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, go serve every one of you his idols, now and hereafter, if you will not listen to me, but my name, my holy name, you shall no longer profane with your gifts and your idols. For on my holy mountain, the mountain height of israel declares the lord god there all the house of israel all of them shall serve me in the land there i will accept them and there i will require your contribution and the choicest of your gifts with all your sacred offerings As a pleasing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. And I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of all the nations. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give to your fathers, and there you shall remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourselves, and you shall loathe yourselves for all the evils that you have committed, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake." not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Why does God save people? what end does he save people now that's a very important question for us to ask because in in answering that question we discover how we ought to live when we understand why God saves a people why he saves us that will determine how we live our lives So why does God save people? Now this was an important question for us, and it was a a very big question that was raised in the time of the Reformation. To what end does God save a people for himself? Now the Roman Catholic Church of the day, and unfortunately still to this day, they see that uh, the glory of salvation is divided up into three parts. The glory and salvation is divided into three parts. Part of it goes to God and Christ. Part of it goes to Mary and the saints. Well, they contribute to the, the, the bank of merit there that, uh, that sinners are to depend on to gain merit for themselves. And then a third part goes to the individual sinner. Because if you participate in your salvation, if you do something for your salvation, whether it's before or after you're saved, right, to, to even keep hold of your salvation, if you do something for your salvation, then you deserve some of the glory and the honor for your salvation. And that's the view of, of the Catholic Church. Part to God, part to Mary and the saints, and part goes to the sinner, to you. But the, the Reformer said, no, that's not in accord, in accord with Holy Scripture. And the Reformer said, and we say with the Reformers, Salvation is to the glory of God alone. Salvation is to the glory of God alone. It's his work from start to finish. Therefore, he gets all the glory and praise in salvation. Salvation is to the glory of God alone. And that's what we see emphasized here in our text this morning in in uh, Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel stresses this fact, that salvation is to the glory of the name of God. And so in today's message, this is the the whole point of today's message. In today's message and in this passage, what we see is salvation is sola deo gloria, for the glory of God alone, for he alone is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. Amen? salvation is to the glory of God alone for he alone is worthy of all glory honor and praise so as we come to this text this morning let me let me build a little bit of, of context here let's go back and, and remember where we are here in Ezekiel's book Ezekiel is one of the exiles so Israel came out of Egypt, they were a nation for a while, and they were a, a united nation until uh, the time after, after uh, Solomon and his son Rehoboam came in, and when Rehoboam came in, there was the divided kingdom, and so they were a divided kingdom, the northern part was called Israel and the southern part was Judah, and the northern part was ruled by all kinds of kings, and the southern nations were ruled by the line of David. But the people of God continued to rebel against God, as we saw in our passage. They continued to rebel against God. They continued to chase after other idols. So God, in judgment to the nation of Israel, he sent them into exile. First, he sent the Israelites, the northern kingdom, into exile by the Assyrians. And now, Ezekiel, he was part of the southern kingdom, part of Judah, and he and all of that nation has been taken into exile by the Babylonians. And so Ezekiel is a prophet to the exiles who are there in Babylonia. And now some of the elders of Israel are coming to him to inquire of the Lord. And as we read there in that first part, the Lord says, Will you, requ- uh, will you inquire of me? See, they had sin on their heart, and God knew that. They were looking for a message from God. They were looking for approval to go chase other idols, as our text shows us. God said, will you inquire of me? But he says, I've got a message for you. Not the message you're coming to look for, but it is a message that you need to hear, and it is a message that we need to hear today. So the first truth that we see in our text this morning is this. There is nothing praiseworthy in us, for we are all defiled to the core. There is nothing praiseworthy in us, for we are all defiled to the core, every single one of us. He makes that point clear to these men who are coming to inquire of him. He begins by by going through, or he does this by going through five different different eras of the Israelite people. He begins with them out out in Egypt. When he first came to them in Egypt, and he says, There I remembered my promise that I made to your forefathers, and I came to you in Egypt, and I was coming to bring you out. And God said to them in Egypt, don't continue to defile yourselves. Remove from yourself all of the idols of the Egyptians and follow after me. He says, what happened? But they continued to follow after the idols. They continued to defile themselves with the idols of the Egyptians. And then he goes on down to the time when he brought them out of Egypt and he brought them into the wilderness of Sinai. And there again he told them, he gave them his rules and his statutes. He gave them his laws. He gave them his sabbaths, and said, if you will follow them, if you will follow my rules, you will live and have life. I will be your God and you will be my people. But he said... The people chased after these other gods, these idols, and they continue to defile themselves by worshiping the idols of Egypt. And he continues on, and he looks to the time of their wilderness wandering. When they were, he had brought them to the land, and, and they refused to go in, so he sent them out into the wilderness to wander for 40 years he said I came to their children I said I gave them my rules I gave them my statutes by which if people if a man shall live by them he shall have life and what did they do they continued to defile themselves with the idols of their fathers Nevertheless God was gracious and he brought them into the land of promise he brought them into the land of promise, the promise, the the land that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there again, he gave them his rules. He gave them his law. He gave him them his statutes, by which if a man shall live by them, he shall have life. And what did they do? They brought out they began to go up to the high places into every tree and everything outside of the temple where he had made his name to be and they worshiped the idols of their fathers they defiled themselves over and over and over again god is gracious to them he saves them He saves them from their sin. He saves them from their enslavement. God is a gracious God, a God of saving mercy. And how do the people respond each and every time the people rebel against the Lord? He says that over and over and over again. He makes that point, but they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. I'm reminded of one of those instances in their wilderness wondering when God had, they had already complained to God that they were hungry, and so God gave them manna from heaven. He gave them manna from heaven, and this is what Scripture says of the manna from heaven. Now, the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bdellium. The people went out and gathered it on an gathered it and ground it in hand mills and beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes with it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. In another place it says it was like cakes baked with honey. And when the dew fell upon the camp in night, the manna fell with it. In other words, the manna was good stuff. Right? You think about your grandma's best cake, The man, it had nothing on this manna. It was good stuff. It was good to eat, good to taste, and it provided the nourishment that the people need. But Numbers chapter 11, verses, starting in verse 4, it says this, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. That is, they had a fleshly desire for more. And the people of Israel also wept Again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. God had given them this great manna, this good-tasting manna. But instead of trusting in the Lord, they rebelled against the Lord. They were slaves to their own sinful flesh. They desired meat, and they sinned against God. You know, in today's culture, one of the greatest problems that we have, one of, one of the biggest tendencies of our culture today is always to, to send the blame to someone else, right? Whatever happens in life, it's someone else's fault. You get in trouble in school, Well, uh, well, these days, it's the teacher's fault. If you grow up and you have problems, well, it's your parents' fault. It's someone else's fault. Right? You're always looking to pass the blame on to someone else. It's never your fault. That's the way the, the culture today, the, the modern culture, looks at things. You always look for someone else to blame. It's someone else's fault. It's not yours. But Scripture paints a completely different picture. Scripture paints a completely different p- picture. It is not everyone else's fault. Now understand, we are a product of our culture. And we are influenced by our parents. But in the end, what it boils down to is that you and I are corrupt to the core. We are sinners by our very nature. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 tells it like this, and we've said this a number of times through this series, but here it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Let me say that again. All have turned aside. All have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. You ever think about this? You never have to teach a child bad behavior, do you? Oh, you bring that precious little angel home from the hospital. Oh, so lovely and great. But it's not long before that precious little angel becomes a little devil. You don't have to teach a child bad behavior. They know it naturally it just comes quite natural to them you have to teach them good but you don't have to teach them how to be bad because all of us every single one of us are corrupt to the core no one does good not even one we are all worthless we don't seek god we don't follow god but by our very nature, we rebel against God. We are worthless. We are corrupt to the core. And what we need today, what we need to understand today, we need to understand who we are. We are corrupted sinners in need of God's grace. Dear friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, you are corrupted to the core. And you can't blame all the problems of your life on this person or that person. It's your problem. You are a sinner. You have chosen to rebel against your Creator. And what you need is God's grace. What we need most of all is God's grace. So there is nothing praiseworthy in us, for we are defiled to the very core, and we need God's saving grace to save us from our corruptedness. Second truth that we find here. Now let me make a little, let me like explain something here. What's coming up here? God alone is worthy of glory, honor, and praise. Write that in your blanks there in your outline. God alone is worthy of glory, honor, and praise. And that's a true statement. But this morning as I was preparing this, this other statement came to me that really fits better here and fits our text better. So I want you to write this under point number two there. God saves sinners to the glory of his name alone. God saves sinners to the glory of his name alone. God saves sinners to the glory of his name alone. That's exactly what we see in this text. Over and over and over again, the people of Israel rebel against him. And I want you to look there. Look there in in verse 8. Halfway through verse 8, then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the light of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Skip on down there again to verse uh, 13, halfway through. Then I said, I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profane in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. He says the same thing on over in verse uh, Verse 22. The same thing. The people of Israel sinned against him. They rebelled against God. And God said, I will make a full end of them. I will give them what they deserve for their rebellion. But for my name's sake. They deserve annihilation. They deserve wrath. But for my name's sake. For my name's sake so that my name be not defiled, I will save them. He saved Israel for his name's sake. And then when we skip over to the end, what we have here when we get to this last paragraph here uh, that we read this morning, he's looking forward after the exile, he's actually looking to the salvation that he brings to to effect in Christ Christ he says in, in, in verse 41, halfway through 41, and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations. I will manifest, I will reveal my holiness. That is looking to the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, Jesus coming and living among them. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give to your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourself. And you shall loathe yourselves for all the evil that you have committed. Let me add there, when he transforms your heart and makes you see your defilement through the power of his Holy Spirit. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways. Dear friend, God saves us not because we deserve His grace, not because we put anything into the pot that is worthy of His grace. We are worthy of his wrath and his judgment for our rebellion against him. He is gracious to us. He gives us life, he gives us being. But we rebel against him over and over and over again. And if it were up to us, we would end in hell, period. But for his name's sake, and his name's sake alone, he saves us. Dear friend, we need to see that. It is for the glory and the praise of His name. So that you may know that I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh, He says nine times over and over in this that we have read in Ezekiel chapter 20, in the verses we've read. Nine times, he emphasizes that you may know, that you may know, that you may know that I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, I am the Creator, God, the eternal God, the saving God. Dear friends, when you see yourself, when God sees you, in the light of your sin, he sees a rebel deserving of eternal judgment. But by his loving grace, he saves you anyway. It is for his glory and his name's sake. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18 says for thus says the Lord who created the heavens he is God who formed the earth and made it he established it he did not create it empty he formed it to be inhabited I am the Lord there is no other in Isaiah chapter 48 he says for my own sake for my own sake I do it I save you For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will give to no other. God is always concerned about his glory first because he alone is worthy of glory and honor and praise. Therefore, he saves us. He saves us for the glory of his name alone. We not only need to understand who we are, but dear friend, we need to see and understand who God is. He is Yahweh. He is God. The Lord our God who created the heavens and earth. Who gives us life and being. And who sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we might have life in Him. There is nothing praiseworthy in us as we are defiled to the core. God saves sinners to the glory of His name alone. If this is true, then, dear friend, dear Christian, how then ought we to live? If God saves us for His glory, how then ought we to live? We must live for the glory of God alone. We must live for the glory of God alone. This just makes sense, right? If it's for His glory that He saves us, then we must live for His glory. If He created heaven and earth for His glory, He created you for His glory, then you should live for His glory. If He recreated you in Christ Jesus for His glory, then we ought to live for His glory. The aim of our lives, dear friend, must always be for the glory of God alone. Jesus says it like this. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Everything that you do, it is not for your glory. It is not so that you would get a pat on the back. But everything that you do as a follower of Jesus Christ should be aimed to point the glory to Christ, to give glory and honor to Christ. He's the one who saved you. We live for His glory. And of course, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether you eat or whether you do, whatever you do, do everything. Do it all for the glory of God. We must live for the glory of God alone. As a church, we must live for the glory of God. That means that everything we do here as a church must be centered around the glory of God. Now, unfortunately, many today have turned away from this doctrine completely. In fact, televangelist Robert Shuler a few years back said that the theology of the Reformers erred because it was God-centered rather than man-centered. And if that seems off to you, it should... But unfortunately, so many churches today buy into that kind of doctrine. They may not say they do, but guess what? When churches begin to build their entire worship service to attract sinners in, guess what the focus is? Is it on the glory of God? Or is it on man? Is it God-centered or man-centered? Dear friend, we... Will not schedule our services around man, but we will schedule our services. We will shape our services for the glory of God alone. That His name be exalted. You're a guest here today. If you're a sinner here today, we love you and we're so glad you're here and we want you to be here, but the point of the day service is not you. Just like it's not me, it's not anybody else in this room, the, the point of today's service is to give glory to God, to worship Him and praise Him and to sit under His Word so that we might live in obedience to Him and glorify His name throughout the world. We must do everything, everything focused on the glory of God. Even as we evangelize, we don't evangelize simply to save sinners. We evangelize so that sinners may come into the kingdom and give glory to God. Because He alone is worthy of glory, honor, and praise. As individuals, this means that we must live daily to the glory of God. When you're at home with your families, are you living in such a way? Are you communing with your family in such a way that you give praise and glory to God the Father? When you're at work, do you work in such a way that people look at you and praise God for how you work? When you're out in the community, when you're out at the restaurant and and the little waitress comes by and she's not getting your order as fast as as you think she ought to and, and it's not correct, do you throw a fit? Because you've been offended? Or do you respond with grace so that God may be glorified? Everything that we do Because we're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ for His glory, everything that we do to be aimed to glorify God alone. You don't live for yourself anymore. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you live for God. And He's worth it. He is so worth it. So nothing in us is praiseworthy. We are all defiled to the core. God saves sinners for His glory alone. Therefore, we must live our lives to the glory of God alone. Dear friend, are you living for the glory of God today? Is your life devoted to Him and His glory alone? Christian, do you you daily let your light shine in your life so that the lost may see your good works and give praise to God? Dear friend, make that commitment today. Make that commitment today. And I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle, It, it is hard. The fight against this old flesh. Every day we've got to crucify this old flesh. Our own desires. Put them up on a cross so that we might live for God. But make a commitment today. Every day I'm going to get up. I'm going to crucify the flesh. And I'm going to live for the glory of God alone. Dear person, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with God, you are lost There's no way your life can honor and glorify God. Not living outside of Christ. So I appeal to you today, please, by God's grace, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins in your place. The wrath of God that you deserve for your rebellion against God, Jesus received it upon Himself. And he was raised again so that he might give you his righteousness, his obedience, so that you might stand before God righteous and just. All you need to do is to trust Jesus, turn away from your life of rebellion, turn to Jesus Christ. Believe in Him, He will save you. When you trust in Jesus, then your life may be lived for the glory of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this word today. Lord, if we are honest with ourselves, We can see in ourselves there's nothing, there's nothing worthy of glory. We are sinners, defiled, children of wrath. It's by your grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for your glory alone, that you saved us. Oh, Lord, may we live for your glory and your praise. May we honor You with our lives. And Lord, if there be one today who does not know Christ, who does not know the transforming power of the Gospel, let them see Jesus. Turn their hearts to Christ. Bring them into the kingdom through faith in Jesus.